Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Chris Wong, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, and I can't tell you how happy I am to be able to actually say this once again, senior staff writers, Ryan Whitfield and Joey Libro. So for those of you who don't know, who didn't catch our last week's episode, last week, um, what ended up happening was Ryan essentially just punked us. Right, because we thought it was going to be his last episode, and I'm, I'm being a little bit flippant there because he didn't know either it was going to be his last episode. But we spent uh, a good portion of it uh, being blubbering idiots about it and uh, saying way too many nice things about each other. So, Ryan, welcome back. Yeah, uh, feeling like Brett Favre might break up the number four jersey. Um, you know, decide uh, if I'm going or staying, but I'm here today. So. <laughs> well, everybody, uh, Ryan is. Uh, uh, unfortunately, didn't prioritize his life properly. He's actually out there being a good dad, hanging out at his son's doubleheader. So, uh, you know, you know, priorities, Ryan. What the heck? I mean, look at Joey. Yeah, He's actually moving tomorrow, and he has practice tomorrow. And here he is up at 9.30 Eastern time with us online. That's, that's what I call dedication. I picture Joey having enough stuff to fill the trash bag, so I don't know that the movie's going to be that big of a movie for us. <laughs> it's just all giant jerseys. Yeah, <laughs> well, that is, that is a really sad set of clothes to move then. All right. So, um, that being said, it's awesome that we're all back on the show. I'm excited about this. We're going to try to get regular, try to get weekly again. And in order to do that, we are actually going to do something uh, where we are going to, to review every team going into the 2019 season, talk about our biggest questions that we have for each of these teams. And we're going to start this week with Ryan's favorite, the AFC East, because, you know, there is a team on there that he might prefer over the others. I'm just saying there might be a team he has a little bit of homerism for, as, uh, as Ryan, as, uh, as Joey has pointed out in his, tweet, in his tweet earlier today. But AFC East today, biggest questions for the Jets, Bills, Dolphins, and Patriots. Got a lot to go over, so let's get it rolling. All right, guys. So let's say we start in reverse order of how they ended up in AFC East. Because I I know that Ryan's going to have plenty to say about the Patriots. But let's start with the worst team of the AFC East as of the end of 2018. And that was the New York Jets. Who ended up fourth in the AFC East at a record of four and twelve. Two, I have two big questions for them. But before I get to that, let me just go ahead and hit you guys first. Joey, why don't you go ahead and uh, and sound off? What's your big question or challenge that you think that the New York Jets have going into the 2019 season? Uh, for the New York Jets, um, they made a lot of solid additions in the draft. Um, they, you know, signed a lot of guys in free agency. Um, including, you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell, Jamison Crowder, Kelechi Ostinelli, um, mm-hmm. and Sam Darnold had a solid rookie year. Um, solid, not great, but oh, that's that's honestly my biggest concern for them is can Sam Darnold make that next step in his sophomore year? Um, can Gase, I mean, we've seen Gase in Miami and how well he did there. It was very shaky tenure, and then the whole yep. drama. With well, the in quotes, obviously. Yes. 
that, that whole drama with McCagnan as well. And um, I don't know uh, how that team's going to gel together. I mean, Gates, there, there's a report that Gates didn't even want Le'Veon Bell on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know um, if this roster has enough to um, beat out the Patriots, honestly. Um the, the talent's intriguing, of course, but I, I don't think overpaying in free agency is something that uh, really moves a team like the Jets uh, into first place in a division like that. Right, right. Okay. And, uh, Ryan, what do you think? What, what's your big question, big challenge do you think the New York Jets have uh, this coming into the season, or do you kind of agree with what uh, Joey's talking about here? No, I agree by and large with what Joey said. Um you know, my, my overall takeaway on the Jets is the overall dysfunction. And uh, it's it's one thing to have, um, you know, you, you often keep a GM on through the draft, even if you know you're moving on from him because you know, the scouting season starts so early. It's typically, you know, GMs are, and scouting staffs are usually seen as their season carries through the draft. And then that's the new season for that, for the personnel department. So that's when mm-hmm. they make a move. So I don't think that shows dysfunction. But as Joey alluded to, the fact that, if you know he's a dead man talking, sure, let him carry out the draft, but you don't let him, you don't let him sign Levy on Bell if the head coach doesn't want him. Um, then we got to talk about the head coaching job. Uh, Adam Gase, the shine is worn off that guy. He hasn't been um, – I mean, the only time he's ever been good is with Peyton Manning and a, and a loaded wide receiver core. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know that we can really put a lot of stock in Adam Gase. Um, and then outside of that, uh, you know – the last time, the last time an NFC East coach was fired and then hired at the same time, I believe would be Rex Ryan, and we all know how that ended. So, I don't have a lot of questions about the Jets. I think that there's still a lot of good talent, but until uh, Woody Johnson gets out of the way and starts, you know, and gets somebody in there to, to be the VP of uh, the NFL or the team operation that can that can make those decisions, and he can just stay out of hirings, uh, you know, I think it's going to continue to remain a mess in New York. Yep, yep. So I have to ask you, Ryan, um, did someone score there in the background while Joey was talking? It sounded like somebody to get a hit. <laughs> so was there a run there scored? No, it was a uh, final out. It was, uh, my, uh, my son's team was down 9-7, base was loaded, and uh, a called strike three to end it. So that was the uh, – Oh, bummer. Okay, well, that, that's not what we wanted to hear. Okay. I thought it sounded exciting. Wanted to make sure we kept our listeners up to date as to what's happening at the doubleheader right now, where Ryan is live reporting yeah, on all that, all, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I will say this. I, in, I actually uh, ha- agree with both of you guys on the issues there are with the uh, Jets, but one of the things that I think will be really important is what impact Le'Veon Bell will have and if, if, if it will be an immediate impact or not. I mean, we all know Bell certainly wasn't the Bell of the Ball in 2018, sidelined the entire season, essentially just to make the point he was worth more money in free agency and simultaneously make the point that he really didn't need any more money as he foregoed essentially all of his 2018 paychecks from the Steelers. So he's a Jet now, and uh, the Jets have a relatively difficult start to the 2019 season. They had their first seven games. You know, they got a pass to the Bills. That's no problem. But then they got the Browns, the Patriots twice, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Jaguars. They could very well be – Six, uh, one and six by the end of that stretch, or even zero oh and seven. Um, but Le'Veon Bell, he might be the difference maker there if he can step up and do something. But you know, being out a whole year means that he won't have the legs that he had coming into uh, 2018. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And I can't agree more uh, with what Joey said and what you've kind of uh, reiterated a little bit, Ryan. Is the impact of the offense 
uh, of the Jets and how that's going to come together now uh, with the second season, particularly for Sam Darnold. You know, he uh, was he was passable last year. And the question to me is, will he, can he be successful with the current Jets receiving core? I mean, right now they have Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inunua, Jameson Crowder, and Chris Herndon at tight end. And, of course, don't forget that Le'Veon Bell was the leading receiving back in the NFL in 2017. So, you know, maybe that makes him more successful, maybe not. I think that's a big question for me is, will Darno have success with what he has as weapons, and will Bell have an immediate impact or not? So, to Two big questions, and uh, and I agree with all you guys. I don't think they have what it takes to get to the top of the AFC East, but I do think that they may be competitive, but certainly not more competitive than the Patriots, but we'll get to that in a minute. Let's ring the bell. Move on to our next team, and that's the team that ended up third in the AFC East in 2018. That's the Buffalo Bills. They ended up with a record of 6-10. and 10. Uh, Joey, let's go to you first. What are your thoughts on the Bills? What's your big question for the Bills heading into the 2019 season? Um, just like the Jets, they essentially upgraded at a lot of positions over the offseason. I really like the draft. They got Cody Ford, a guard out of um, Oklahoma, and they were mm-hmm. able to add Ed Oliver, who was actually one of my favorite players in this past draft. Um, they had a decent year with Josh Allen. I mean, I know he had his injuries, and I know he's not the most accurate quarterback, but I think their biggest issue um, for me is that their ground game surrounding Josh Allen is not going to be that solid this year. They added uh, Frank Gore and drafted mm-hmm. Devin Singletary in the third round. Um, and them plus LaShawn McCoy, I'm not sure where his – I'm sure he had legal troubles. Am I correct? He had uh, something look, with his, Are you talking about McCoy? Right, he had domestic abuse. Yeah, LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, he did. He did. That, uh, was, that, was, a, that was a while yeah. back, but uh, it's continuing, yes. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I don't know – if that ground game can't be effective for Josh Allen and it's all on Josh Allen, um, things can get pretty ugly pretty fast for the Bills. Yeah, most definitely. Um, what do you think, Ryan? What are your big questions, challenges for the Buffalo Bills entering the 2019 season? Yeah, I mean, they were just an absolutely dreadful offensive team last year. So, you know, my big concern is that offense. I'm not a Josh Allen believer. I think he, and again, I've now left the doubleheader and I'm driving. So my uh, my access <laughs> to notes and resources and stats is very limited. So bear with me. But uh, Just dig into actually, a memory bank, man. <laughs> well, I was actually listening to the AFC East uh, preview on uh, CBS uh, Fantasy Show earlier. So I'm okay. going to try to regurgitate some of the stats. I nice. will drive home nice. my point, but I'll give them credit. Yeah, let's knock uh, them off. Josh Allen Josh Allen completed 53% of his passes last year. And worse, the Buffalo Bills, I believe, ran 800-and-something plays, which was the lowest play total run by an offense since, like, 2006. So um, that that would be my concern. And and my concern would be that they continue to to invest on the defensive side. Um, You know, and it doesn't mean that they're not good on the defensive side. It was the same reason that if I I was the Jets, I wouldn't have drafted Quinton Williams. I would have drafted offensive line help to help mm-hmm. uh, you know, protect my young quarterback. And, you know, w- with that said, I do love the Cody Ford pick the Bills made, and I love the mm-hmm. Ed Oliver pick. So yep. individually their draft class is fine, but it's, you know, and I love Ed Oliver, but it's just, I mean, you just can't keep investing on the defensive side of the ball. They've been doing that for 10 years. And I look mm-hmm. at their receiver core, 
and and I find it completely underwhelming. And, I, and one of my favorite quotes from the offseason, unfortunately this guy I can't give credit to because I don't remember who said it, but he said, for a guy as inaccurate as, as uh, Josh Allen, you know, the Bills sure are loading up on guys 5'9 and under. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting that, you know, this guy who, who could probably use, you know, he could use the Hakeem Butlers of the world and uh, the – Right. Funchezes, you know. Yeah, he gets a cool Beasley. Guys, but guys that are just big, and that he can, yep. that you know, at least even even Josh Allen could hit. So, um, I just think that <laughs> offense is in trouble. And this is the last that I'll give you. And I thought this one was interesting because from a fantasy perspective, um, people keep shoving down uh, our throats that Josh Allen was was you know uh, elite down the stretch. And I think it was like the final six weeks he was a, a top seven or something like that quarterback in fantasy mm-hmm. well yep the pace that josh allen was playing at down the stretch was uh would put him at just for rushing purposes would have mm-hmm. would have him on a pace for 1200 rushing yards and 13 rushing touchdowns the last guy the only quarterback to ever rush for a thousand yards was michael vick and it happened once so if you think that josh allen is going to duplicate what he did in the last six weeks of last season on the whole in a season you're an idiot and, and beyond saving that's on you yep all right, that's and then we finally got it out there. Ryan has called you an idiot. This is now our show feels complete. Perfect. Thank you for that. Um, oh, I, have to say, <laughs> I have to say, I totally agree with both of what you guys are saying because the two big questions I had for me was, um, you know, Josh Allen, is he a franchise quarterback? And the big knock on him when he came out of Wyoming was that he had a 56.2% uh, completion percentage in college. And, you know, completion percentage in college generally is higher um, you know, you take what you can get, and he wasn't very good at taking what he could get. I mean, he, he had a big arm, and he went downfield when he wanted to, and he does that continuously in the NFL. And, and as you said, Ryan, his completion percentage suffered for that in uh, in this first season, 52.8% of his passes completed as a rookie. So, yeah, it's coming true. Those are, the, those are all the knocks on him when he was being drafted. Those are all the concerns when he was in college, and it's coming true. And Let's face it, though, when he was uh, when he was uh, playing in 2018, his number one wide receiver was Kelvin Benjamin, a big guy, but um, hands of stone, didn't really get himself open, didn't get much separation, uh, really uh, had some issues. He didn't have a lot of uh, he didn't have a lot of weapons at his disposal. Now, he doesn't have many weapons at his disposal again this year, but it's improved a little bit. He has Robert Foster. He has John Brown. Uh, say what you will about that, but that seems like a slight upgrade. And although I made fun of Cole Beasley being short, and I agree with Ryan that uh, getting him some tall receivers that he could hit would be great. Cole Beasley is the type of guy who can win off the line more often than not in the slot position and give Allen an opportunity to feed him during the game in short, you know, make him create in space type of deals. You know, maybe a poor man's Edelman, so to speak, you know, a poor man's Welker, so to speak, um, and get him, a, you know, a couple extra completions and, and get him to move the ball, uh, you know, take what the defense is giving you and don't look downfield for those deep shots as much as he did in his first year. I don't know if that will change or not, but that is really a big question to me is if he can complete his percentage, uh, his, his passing percentage up to 60% by the end of this season. And secondly, which is something that Joey, you touched on and Brian, you actually touched on as well is what's going to happen to the bills running back situation. I mean, LaShawn McCoy has his own issues, but look at him on the field. He only averaged 3.2 yards per carry last year. That is not acceptable as a lead back. And he's obviously uh, over the hill. He's certainly on the downward side of his career. Frank Gore is a ridiculous pickup here because he's also on the downward side of his career. But he did average 4.6 yards per carry with the Dolphins last year. They also got T.J. Yeldon from the Jaguars. 
averaged four yards per carry, but didn't have a lot of uh, work to do there behind Fournette, and thus Fournette was injured, and then he was pretty much stymied. So TJ Yeldon, you know, he has some up, some down. What I'm intrigued by is Devin Singletary, drafted in the third round from Florida Atlantic. I kind of like Devin Singletary. He was drafted around the same time as David Montgomery was drafted, who there's a lot more hype about right now. And he could be the guy that the Bills are looking for. I'm not 100% sure about that, and I still have questions about Josh Allen and everything else that's going on there. Bills look kind of weak, but I would keep an eye on Devin Singletary and see what happens there. Let's ring the bell on that. Let's move on to our next team, the team that ended up second in the AFC East in 2018, and that is the Miami Dolphins. If the AFC East uh, left the AFC East with a 7-9 and nine record, imagine that. The team that ended up second in the AFC East had a losing record of 7-9. and nine. So tell me, what do you think, Joey? What do you think? Miami Dolphins, did they do enough in the offseason? What are your big questions, big challenges you have for the Miami Dolphins entering the 2019 season? Um, I really believe that the Miami Dolphins are going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. Wow. Um, okay. With that said, I do like the receiving core with Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, and Albert Wilson. I do like Kenyon Drake with uh, Kalen Balazs uh, back him up. And mm-hmm. I love their secondaries. Even Howard, Mike Fitzpatrick, Rashad Jones, Bobby McCain. Uh, and I, I believe they added TJ McDonald in there as well. Um, but I don't think it's enough. I mean, they added Josh Rosen from Arizona, which I thought was a good move for them. But right. they still did nothing to address their offensive line, which was the biggest problem for Rosen in Arizona. He just got killed mm-hmm. back there. Um, mm-hmm. They also added Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, so are you going to run out Fitzpatrick to start the year, or are you going to run out Rosen? Do you want Fitzpatrick to win you five games and you're just stuck in this uh, purgatory of sorts where you don't have a high enough pick to get anybody great at quarterback and you, you, you're not low enough to be in the playoffs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so my biggest question mark for them really is what are they going to do at quarterback? What's their plan? Are they going to mm-hmm. see what Josh Rosen has for the entire season, and if they like him, then they – move on, make them, make him their franchise quarterback, or, or they don't like him and they draft somebody next year, like Tua or Herbert. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really my biggest question mark for them. Okay. And, and Ryan, what do you think about the Miami Dolphins? What's your big question, challenge you think they have to overcome going into the 2019 season? Yeah, I don't think there's any big question or big challenge. I think they just are what they are. They're not a very good football team. Um, I'll agree with Joey about their secondary, um, but that's about it. I'm sorry. Devontae mm-hmm. Parker, to me, has proven out to be a bust. Um, you know, Kenny Stills is fine on, on, uh, on a roster like that. I'm not, I don't buy into Albert Wilson hype. I think he's more of a fantasy-relevant guy than he actually produces on a football field. Um, mm-hmm. I like Kenyon Drake, but we haven't seen Kenyon Drake sustain it yet, right? You know, we saw right. a good five-game sample in 2017. Last year, because Gase doesn't believe in giving the guy giving one guy a ton of a ton of work, we just haven't seen. You know, is is Kenyon Drake a guy who's good in flashes, but when you know he, he's asked to carry a, a full RB one workload, is a guy that you know water finds its level. So I think there's those questions. What I, what I think you do is the Dolphins. Is I, I I agree with Joey though. I'm not playing. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not starting uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick this year uh, right. for a different reason. I'm starting Rosen, and I'm hoping I can I can show enough from him that I can flip him for a mid-round pick next year. You go and sign the worst quarterback you can find. Hopefully, you have like you know like a top ten pick, but not one of the not one of the top overall picks. 
see like a top 10 pick and go build out that offensive line a little bit more, then go really suck next year and then get Trevor Lawrence in 2020. Uh, okay. Or 2021. There we go. Those are going to get the years right. So that's mm-hmm. the pass for the Dolphins. They've got to find the next guy. And, uh, you know, I like Tua, I like Herbert. I, I think Trevor Lawrence is the most transcendent quarterback talent that I've seen in a long mm. time in college football. Okay. Um, so yep. that's the guy I'm holding out for. So if I'm Dolphins, I'm I'm trying to suck for two years and then and try to be on the top of that 2021 class. Yeah, well, so I I, I will agree with that strategy, uh, generally speaking, but I don't think that Josh Rosen is left for dead yet. I think there is a potential here still for him to be good, but uh, I do agree with the fact that, uh, as Joey mentioned, they did not address offensive line issues in a way that would significantly help Josh Rosen in this situation. But I do agree with the fact that starting Ryan Fitzpatrick is ridiculous. That makes no sense to me. Um, you know, if you want to start him for one game to, to get Josh Rosen some, uh, some, some time to sit there for a clipboard for a little bit, whatever. But that doesn't make any sense. Right now, you've invested a second-round pick in trading for him in the offseason, which I think is a pretty good deal for the upside that he presents. You just run him out there and see what you got because you're going to have to make a decision, as you say, Ryan, whether you want to suck for one year, suck for two years, and where are you going to get your franchise quarterback from? If it's not Josh Rosen, it's certainly not Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's at the end, tail end of his career now. So, you know, he can be there in case Josh Rosen gets injured or you need somebody to step in for some reason. But uh, Josh Rosen should be run out there from day one. It makes no sense to spend a second-round pick on get him now and, let, and, and not play him for every game of next season, in my opinion. So that I agree with on, uh, on, many, on many levels for both of you guys. Um, secondly, I, will also have, I also have a big question about the Dolphins' running back situation. You know, Frank Gore was their leading rusher in 2018. That's crazy. He's now in Buffalo, as we just talked about. Kenyon Drake, and as you mentioned, um, uh, Ryan, they don't, uh, you know, they, they didn't, they don't like, Gase doesn't like to give one guy all the carries. Kenyon Drake had 535 yards and 120 carries, and Kellen uh, Balage, who actually was the bell of the ball, the real hyped up guy at the beginning of last season, um, had 191 carries and 30, uh, 191 yards and 36 carries. Now, the interesting thing about this is that Kenyon Drake got more work but he only averaged 4.5 yards per carry, which is not terrible. It's actually very good. But Kalen Balaj actually averaged 5.3 yards per carry. I think there's something there. I think that they could use Kenyon Drake, who actually also had 477 receiving yards and 63 receptions last year and five receiving touchdowns as a change of pace guy, maybe a long and just down and distance guy, third down guy, use Kalen Balaj between the tackles. That might actually be good. And don't forget they also drafted Miles Gaskin out of Washington in the seventh round. Is he going to be somebody who plays or not? I don't know, but it's a good insurance policy to have. So uh, Dolphins probably left for dead, but hey, I'd like to see what, I don't think Josh Rosen is completely out of the picture yet. Let's ring the bell. Let's get on to the last team in the AFC East. And this is Ryan's favorite, guys. I think everyone knows that it's the New England Patriots who not only ended up first in the AFC East with a record of 11 and five, but also were the Super Bowl winners. So let's start with you first, Joey. Tell us uh, what is your thoughts on, what are your thoughts on the big challenge, big question that the New England Patriots have going into the 2019 season? Okay. As much as I hate to boost Ryan's favorite team, this is one of (laughs) the more difficult teams to knock on uh, in terms of their challenges and uh, an uphill climb in uh, 2019 for them. Um, but to me, their biggest challenge is replacing the players that they lost in the offseason, Rob Gronkowski, Trey Flowers, Trent Brown, and they also lost seven assistant coaches. Uh, my question is, how many years in a row can they just keep turning out talented players out of nowhere 
after they lose other talented guys, you know, when they lost Chandler Jones, Trey Flowers appears out of nowhere, um, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's really my biggest question mark for the Patriots because really they don't have one. They're the Patriots. They're the most infamous dynasty ever in my mind since I've started watching sports. Um, and with Belichick and Brady there, I just don't see it stopping. Right, right. And they're certainly hard to pick apart the problems, but I'm sure Ryan has a few thoughts on problems that the Patriots have because he's always very circumspect about that. So, Ryan, what are your thoughts on the Patriots going into the 2019 season? So, so Joey asked and answered his own question. Joey, in the same take, said, how long can they keep replacing these guys and, and letting talent walk out the door? And then mm-hmm. later on he mentioned – uh, Belichick and Brady, which is the answer. As long as 12's under center, and as long as Belichick's coaching, um, they can keep losing guys and turning it over. And trust me, like you said, I lost my faith last year in this in this organization. I thought the rift was too big between the coach and the player, um, mm-hmm. and and I thought that they had lost their way. And then they go out and they win it last year with, with what I thought was pos- not possibly. I think that was their worst uh, Super Bowl roster last year that they mm-hmm. won a title with. So. Uh, to do that, you know, and then you mentioned Trey Flowers subs in for Chandler Jones, and Trey Flowers goes out the door, and, and in walks Michael Bennett and Chase Winovich. Um, you know, I just, you know, the, the, the Patriots find a way to put talent on the field. Um, and then, you know, as far as the Gronkowski thing, look, there's, there's not going to be another Rob Gronkowski, and the Patriots didn't even pretend to try to do, you know, to replace him. What they did right. is what they always do, and what, what they'll do is that they'll, They'll play to their roster. They won't try to jam pieces in to fit a scheme. They'll fit a scheme to the player, and that's what they've done here. And so, you know, I look at a, a guy like Nikhil Harry, who's going to, I think, going to get a lot of work and throw a lot of targets. I am, and I might be in a minority on this, but I'm very confident that Josh Gordon's coming back because, mm-hmm. again, the okay. Patriots, the Patriots picked up his tender. Goodell has a personal relationship with Gordon. The NFL has tried to shift with their policy on uh, substance abuse. One second here. Thank you. Going to the drive-thru <laughs> for the kid who just played the double You're, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, uh, you know, Josh, Josh Gordon has a personal relationship with Goodell, and the NFL has tried to shift from uh, a more deterrent system of these big punishments to a more council-based system. And I think that Josh Gordon, ideally for them and for Goodell, who's very PR conscious, they want yep. this guy of all people because he's not – you know, he's a guy with no other problems, right? He's not a violent offender. He doesn't he doesn't really do anything besides have an, have an addictive personality. And so if they can resurrect him and make him into somebody who they can hold up and say, see, the NFL cares about our players, I think they're very interested in that. So um, I think Josh Gordon comes back. And if you have a situation at some point where you got Josh Gordon and Nikhil Harry back here and then you just hit on one of the guys that they signed, I mean, then, then their weapons are completely fine. they got a loaded backfield like always. And, um, so, anyways, the, the big question for me, because I think the defense is, is loaded. I, I think this Patriot roster is is actually stacked front to back. And, and PFF, I think, came out recently graded them as the second-best roster in the NFL. So, last year was the chance to take a shot at the King, and the league couldn't do it for whatever reason. But wow. uh, the, the one big question is the one person that you mentioned, Joey, uh, Trent Brown leaving, Isaiah Wynn who is an undersized tackle, who the Patriots loved, drafted in the first round just two years ago, missed all last year. I believe it was an Achilles he was out with. But he steps in, and he's got obviously a, you know, a large role to fill. Trent Brown was amazing. And before that, the Patriots had stacked Nate Solder and uh, Matt Light back-to-back for 15, 16 years. So 
has been a position of stability in this in this team for 20 years. And you know, Isaiah Wynn hopefully is the guy, but if he's not, um, that could be one one potential hiccup in this in this Patriot roster. Mm-hmm. Well, so there's a, so a few things out there that could be a problem. I have to say I disagree with one thing, Ryan, and that the worst uh, Patriots Super Bowl roster was from Super Bowl 20. I don't think it was any comparison to the other Super Bowl rosters. Just just saying Tony Eason had was not anywhere near Tom Brady. So uh, I think that was probably the worst uh, Patriots Super Nick Bowl Dynasty roster. You know what I meant. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just, I just want to make sure that we're accurate on the record. That's all. Hey, so I'll say this. Um, the Patriots, there's, it's really hard to pick apart what's, if there's any problems there. Rob Gronkowski, obviously, right now he's being replaced by the likes of a, uh, of a suspended Benjamin Watson, Ryan Izzo, Matt Lacoste, Andrew Beck, Steven Anderson. The question there is who are these guys? Um, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I mean, you've got Julian Edelman there. You have James White, one of the most prolific receiving backs in the league. And and kill uh, and kill Harry, which um, you know it's he's probably going to have a big role coming out. He's going to have to earn Brady's trust early on, uh, showing that he can make consistent catches because he's not a guy who creates a lot of separation. And it's definitely a guy who is a big target that Brady can use. And you have Dontrell Inman and Demarius Thomas there as well. And uh, I do have a question about whether Sony Michelle will have a sophomore slump or not. It may not matter because you have James White, you have Rex Burkhead. And you have Damian Harris, who was actually drafted in the third round out of Alabama. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. And that brings us to the end of the episode. Blowing the air horn on the entire episode here. That was the AFC East. Great job. Great information. Uh, way to make it through that doubleheader, Ryan, and drive over and get uh, or drive through uh, for your son. All, in, all at the same time of breaking down the AFC East. That's what we do here, all about multitasking. Joey also packing and getting ready to move tomorrow. That's how dedicated we are to get you this podcast. Ryan, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? Yeah, I'm a man who uh, balances many plates. That's just, that's just what I do, to be honest. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at Ryan Whitfield, N-E. I do think um, that we would be remiss, though, if we, if we were uh, mentioning uh, shitty uh, Super Bowl teams if we didn't men- mention the Rex Grossman-led Bears, yeah. if, if we're going to yeah, take okay. shots at, at old teams. That's that fair. Suck. That's fair. I set myself up for that one. Rex Grossman with the Curry Collins Giants. <laughs> okay. So, Joey. Yes. Oh, it does. It's just that Ryan wanted you to re- wanted you to repeat your uh, your date. Oh, yeah, want you to repeat yourself. I thought I thought the line was <laughs> oh. dead. Oh, what about the Kerry Collins Giants? This is a pretty bad team. We got rocked by the Ravens. Oh. Fair enough, but he was all boosted <laughs> up. You know, Rex Grossman just sucked. <laughs> Rex Grossman couldn't even take a couldn't even take the ball under center, so that's how bad he was. He couldn't even complete that exchange. All right, that's enough making fun of all our teams. I think we've done a fair job of that. Or Joey, give us your give us your uh, social media so people can follow you. Yep, I'm at Joey Libro on all social media platforms. All right, so uh, once again, thanks everybody for wasting time with us, and until next time, enjoy your NFL week, and we'll be back to talk about the other divisions and all the big questions going into the 2019 season. So stay tuned and we'll see you next time.